Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody. Thank them for speaking to you because after all, you've got to be careful who you talk to these days. Amen. Amen. Now, you don't have any worries about that here, but uh, praise the Lord for the blessings of the Lord. Today we had in our service a number of guests, a number of visitors, and some good prospects for the future, and included a, a man who'd been led to Christ yesterday by Brother Daquan. Is that right? Okay, Dane led. Amen. Dane and Sharon, wonderful. That is fantastic. And, and uh, he has expressed a desire to be part of this church. Isn't that wonderful? And so we want to see these folks growing in grace. Now, we've had other contacts this week. I expected uh, people to come. And, you know, you work at it and you work at it. And sometimes they come and sometimes they don't. But even if they don't, you don't give up. You don't stop. You keep after it. Uh, the, the people who have done studies on this know that you can knock on a certain number of doors and then get some promises and then you'll get so many that will actually follow through. And, um, and that's consistent across the board. It's a matter of our just being faithful. Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. So I hope that you'll be out on Saturday. We start our Fill America, Fill Virginia campaign and we want to get as many of the tracks out as we can, as many door hangers out. So this Saturday through Two Saturdays thereafter, which is Christmas Eve. Now, not everybody's going to be out on Christmas Eve, but it's a wonderful day for us to go to the mall and pass out a couple thousand tracks and uh, and just watch the security guards try to stop us. I mean, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? I don't I don't mean to I don't mean to ask for trouble, but uh, you know, under those circumstances, there's going to be a lot of prospective people, a lot of souls to reach, and uh, so praise the Lord. All right. All right, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn with me. I've got two scriptures, but in the New Testament, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. We've been there numerous times. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And please notice what it says in verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, that saved people by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, as I've preached so often, come to God. Give yourself over and, and anew, uh, afresh. Let's give ourselves to God over and over and over. Now, I understand that you're only saved once. If you're saved by grace through faith, if you're saved God's way, you only have to get saved one time. But as far as coming back to God and getting things right and, and getting the fire, set my soul afire, we need that fire don't hear a lot of preaching in some circles and nowadays about that because people already intellectually know that they're saved forever by the grace of God. And so because of that, in churches where the Bible is correctly taught about eternal security, you don't have a lot of preaching about getting on fire again, get rededicating, coming back to the Lord. We take it for granted because we're saved forever, that everything's okay forever. Well, that's our justification, that's our salvation. But folks, let me tell you right now, in a lot of those churches where we would have equal, I'm sure, understanding and agreement on doctrine, there's not a lot of sanctification. And Lord, help us. Lord, help us to come back anew and afresh and keep coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you, I know I'm a mess, but Lord, would you help me? Would you bless me? Would you keep on 
uh, helping me. That's what we need to do. And so that's what we're reading here. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's not just one time. That's constantly. And be not conformed to this world. That pressure from the world system is for us. uh, We have to constantly meet it. We have to face it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't, we're going to be drawn into that, uh, that worldly thinking, that worldly attitude. And there are some folks that have right doctrine, but they've got a worldly attitude. There are some folks that have, that have uh, you know, the right routine in their Christian life, but, but their attitude is showing, and they're, they're not on fire for Jesus. They're not, we need to go back, and we need to fall in love with Jesus over and over and over. Just keep falling in love with Him. Just keep going back and going back. And going back, it helps to run with the right crowd. It helps to talk it up with others about, isn't God good? Isn't Jesus good? Isn't He sweet? Didn't He bless our soul? Didn't He do this and didn't He do that? We need to do that. It's your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. That's through the Word of God that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I believe that is talking about a daily discipline. I believe that's speaking of a constant renewal. We need to constantly be renewed in the spirit of our mind, in our hearts, inside. We need to be renewed. And because we are of that, um, that weak uh, nature, we tend to drift and we need to be brought back. Uh, what do we need? I'll read a scripture to you from the Old Testament that I believe will help us to understand. Go to the 92nd Psalm, Psalm 92. Just love the Psalms, and we're in these daily. Uh, Psalm 92, and this is one you're going to want to mark up. It says at the top, a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day. In the Old Testament system, the Sabbath day was a day of rest. It pictures our resting in Jesus. Jesus Christ is our rest. It is not, it is not uh, uh, just being lazy, but it is our being dependent. It is our totally relying on the Lord. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. Everything is done. We know that the law is fulfilled in our behalf in and through Jesus Christ. So when I have Christ in my life and my relationship is right. Everything is lined up right. I know that the requirements of the law are satisfied by Christ in my behalf. So this is the application that we need to properly make. A psalm or a song for the Sabbath. The fact that we're resting in Jesus. That everything's settled in Jesus. Doesn't mean we're lazy. Doesn't mean we stop serving and bearing fruit. I believe that's something that's constant. But it says it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Now, I quoted this back in our Thanksgiving messages, and it is true. It's a good thing. Don't ever treat it as, it's, uh, as if it's drudgery or a lot of hard work to give thanks unto the Lord. We ought to be giving thanks all the time for everything. Uh, you, you're not going to you're not going to think about it till it's gone. You need to give thanks for it now while you still have it. While you still have those people in your life, it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. 
I thank the Lord every day for my parents, but they're in heaven. I thank the Lord every day for my sis, but she's in heaven. And uh, I'll see them again, praise the Lord. But in the meantime, I'm down here, and uh, I've got every day's challenges before me. I'm thanking the Lord for what good things I was able to derive in my relationship with mom and dad and my grandparents and my sister and those that have died and gone on to be with Jesus. But I wish, I wish they were here so I could tell them what a blessing they are. So don't hesitate. Don't put it off. Tell people who've made a difference in your life that they've made a difference and how much you appreciate them and thank God for them. And don't forget to do that. To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. So it's a morning, noon, night, upon an instrument of ten strings, and upon the psaltery, upon the harp, with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. Isn't that strange? A lot of folks are only glad when they have a day off. But here it is, the work of the Lord in our behalf, in and through us. That's it. He's made us glad. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. Most of what God has done that we're aware of is something that's going on in and through us. Isn't it? Think about it. Think about it, the things that you're thankful for. Aren't you glad He brought you up off of that deathbed, that sickbed? Aren't you glad that, uh, that He gave you a better job? Aren't you glad that He's watching over your loved ones, your youngins? Aren't you glad that He's answering prayers? Well, you see, most of the works that are referred to here are things that He does for us and in us and through us. The works of the Lord. First of all, what He did for us, He saved us. He saved us from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. He saved us completely. He saved us eternally. He saved us forever. So that salvation is complete. The satisfaction, uh, the, the keeping, is, the sustaining is so important. It's a complete salvation. But not just that. He wants to use us. Uh, it's amazing that He would ever, ever deign to use you and use me and do something that would touch the hearts and lives of others. Oh Lord, how great are Thy works and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. So people that are animal-like, people that are foolish, people who think they can live without God, that's what a fool is according to the Bible. These people don't stop to think how great God is and what He's done. Uh, as soon as they get well, they, they stop you know, praying those desperation prayers and, and talking to God. They won't talk to God again until they're another fix. But God's people when they've been spared something, brought through something, they keep on praising. They keep on thanking. They keep on acknowledging the Lord. We need to, not only through the trial. Lord, are you going to heal me? Lord, am I going to make it? I feel like I'm going to die. Lord, help me. And then He brings us through. And what do we do? We go on our merry way. We live any way we want to. Instead of acknowledging the Lord in all of our ways, instead of uh, you know, being thankful <clears throat> like we ought to be, we need to be reminded where we came from, what He brought us through. But that brutish man knoweth not. Neither doth the fool understand this. I don't want to be in that category. When the wicked spring as the grass and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. So the things that seem to be going well for people that are not right with God, just wait. All you got to do is wait long enough. And at some point in time, they're going to experience a turnabout. That's going to happen. God has said so. And they're going to be destroyed forever because they're not investing in eternity. They're not living for what is going to be forever. 
But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. And as sad as that is, people have their opportunity here and now. And this is when people have to decide for Jesus Christ. And that's why we urge folks. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Won't you please take Jesus Christ as your Savior? Work on a song right now that's going to speak of that. And uh, I'll be unveiling that. But it's, uh, it's, I don't want people to go on to hell. I don't want people to pay the awful penalty for sin. It's been paid for. The horrific death of Jesus Christ, His passion was the payment for their sin if they'll receive Him as Savior. And it was so awful. It was so terrible when God turned His face from His Son because He who knew no sin became the sin offering for you and me. He did that for us so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. But some people make a choice. There are some people who actually, foolishly, brutishly choose their own way and destruction. Now we come to verse number 10. But my horn, that, that refers to our power, our strength. My horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of an unicorn. Now don't <laughs> go crazy over this. We find the word unicorn several times in the Bible. It does not refer to the unicorn of mythology. You know, the horse with the, and the flying and the wings and all that stuff. That's not it. Unicorn is a one-horned creature. So there have been various ones who have suggested, but it may very well be uh, uh, a species that is now extinct. I don't know. There are a number of one-horned, uh, single-horned animals that are alive. I can think of several offhand. And we don't know which one it is. But when you got one horn, all right, and you are that creature with that one horn, that's the, that's the source of strength and here, my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with, notice the last two words, fresh oil. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Quick uh, translation of this, interpretation for folks. What uh, God is speaking of in Psalm 92, verse 10, through the inspired psalm or song for the Sabbath day, is that there's only one place to go for my strength. The world will go every place that they go. They will depend upon themselves and other earthly, worldly, material sources of strength, of, of, um, of re reinforcements, of, of money, whatever it is. But we only have one place to go, and that's to God. He is our source. My horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. A unicorn being a one-horned animal and actually existed because the scripture says so, not the mythological unicorn, but one horn, that is a resource, that is a place of strength. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I shall be strengthened. I shall be given that heavenly uh, infusion of strength. I will be enabled. And oil, as you know, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're speaking of Tonight, when I need anything, I need to go to God. I need to have that strengthening by the Holy Spirit. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies. Mine ears shall hear uh, uh, my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Now that tree grows up. And, you know, a lot of people, 
may or may not like the palm tree, but the characteristics of the palm tree are tremendous strength and flexibility. Uh, even though it grows very fast, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now that characteristic is a very, we have a cedar uh, off the backyard there by the fence, and it is huge and it is strong. And in the wind, I can see it moving, but very strong. That taproot goes way down, very, very strong. So we have the metaphors, the illustrations of things that grow that are very strong, that have a root system that are established and they're not going to go over easily. And that's it. That's you. That's me. We need to be determined. No matter what the world is doing, the flesh and the devil around us, we're going to depend on who? The Lord. And where are we going to get the strength? We're going to get that fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. Amen. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. I like that. Longevity. Amen. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The focus is on the Lord, his sinlessly pure righteousness. That's it. Everybody else may try to negotiate with uh, other resources in order to get by. But we only have one place to go as believers. Remember that. When you're under uh, siege, when you're, when you're being sorely tried, when things are difficult, when it's, when it's not going well, that's when we need to go to the Lord. So our horn, our source of strength, in order to achieve victory day by day, requires fresh oil. That's what we need when we're facing the challenge, the battle, the fight. We want to win. We want to be exalted. We want to, the Lord to get the glory. We want to be lifted up so that He might receive the glory we preached about this morning. So from that battle victory to the next battle victory, is it possible that we're going to feel a little fatigued, a little spiritual fatigue, a little wearing down? That's only natural. So I'm going to tell you right now practically what we can do. From battle to battle, we go back to the source of that fresh oil. And uh, we may have mental and spiritual momentum, but we need that strength from the Lord. We need to depend upon Him. Every time I step in the pulpit, I say, Lord, help me. I can't do this myself. I need your help. And God enables me. We need that divine, that fresh oil. We need to go from battle to battle in the strength that the Lord gives us. Tonight I'm speaking on, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. We sang, set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. There are many kinds of oil, of course, and many kinds of anointing in the Bible. But I believe that God wants us to experience the fullness of God the Father, the fullness of God the Son, the fullness of God the Holy Spirit. He wants us to simply empty ourselves and depend upon Him. And whenever I do that, I'm able to go on to the next battle and to the next and to the next. You say, well, will it ever get, ever get lighter? And the Scripture says there's no discharge from this war. So you're not going to get your papers, not till you get to glory. And then we're going to sheathe our sword and we're going to take off our armor and we're going to sit down with King Jesus. We're going to talk about the victories that He gave us from battle to battle to battle to battle to battle. In the meantime, we don't give up. There are people who say to me, Preacher, will, will there ever be a time when we don't have visitation? Uh, let me be the only way I can be honest. The answer to that question is no, an emphatic no. The only time there will never be visitation 
is when we've gone on to glory. That's it. Will there ever be a time we don't have prayer meeting when we've gone on to glory? Not before then. Will there ever be a time when we don't preach and give the invitation? Yes, when we've gone on to glory, but not before that. We go from battle to battle to battle to battle. As much as uh, uh, we felt the presence of the Spirit of God in this morning service and the thrill of the Holy Spirit moving over this crowd, moving upon hearts and people coming, the altar being filled with people praying. Praise the Lord for that. I'll tell you right now, although I can't see it because it's in the spirit realm, I sense the presence of all kinds of opposition to what we were doing today. Because wherever God is at work, the devil tries to get in there and spoil it. Tries to distract people, get babies to cry, get people to get up and walk around, people, you know, to, whatever it is. I'll never forget my philosophy teacher in Bible college. He was a tremendous man of God. He had pastored a church right down an old, big, gothic building that, that he had a Baptist church in, in, uh, in uh, Buffalo, New York, right down by Skid Row. Right down by Skid Row. I mean, he said, he said the bums would come by, and nothing against them, but they would, they would, when it was cold, they would come into the foyer. He said, that's all right. And they would, they would warm up in there. He said, I'd just preach a little louder. He said, so, so I'm down there on Skid Row, and I'm preaching, and some bum wanders in the side door and walks through, and then somebody gets up in the back, and there's all kinds, and these, the people where they'd come from hadn't, hadn't been disciplined to sit through a service. And so they're moving around, and they're doing all this stuff. He said, every kind of thing that you can imagine, but God gave the victory. And I've been in services like that, when there was every kind of thing going on. I preached a a guest message in a once great church in uh, the north. And uh, I was there to preach an anniversary service. And we had just a fraction of the crowd. A huge auditorium seated thousands. And there were a few hundred people there. And there were some bus kids in the back. And while I'm preaching, people are up and wandering around. And over in the back, you know, the college kids are kind of breaking up the bus kids' fights. And, I mean, it's all that stuff going on at once. And, uh, and I, I look back at the longtime pastor of that church, and he was just looking straight up at me and listening to my next illustration, the next thing I was going to say. And I thought to myself, well, if the, if the founder of this church, longtime pastor of this church, who has graciously invited me to come and fill the pulpit on this special day when there's hardly anybody here in this huge auditorium and the ones who are, are wandering around and they're having gang fights back there in the corner, that I'm going to give it the best I possibly can. And so I just put the pedal to the metal and kept on preaching and gave the invitation and God blessed and a bunch of people got saved. And it was, it was wonderful. But I've been in places like that. And I've seen what God can do. And today was a red-letter day because God got the victory. And we got the victory because God got the victory. And what do we do? We need to be anointed with fresh oil so that we can go on to the next battle and the next battle. Don't look for a way to get out. Don't look for a way to resign, to get out, to quit, to give up, to stop working, to stop serving. Look for opportunities for God to provide more fresh oil. He wants to anoint us with that fresh oil. He wants to give us what we need in order to be uh, a continuous, uh, unrelenting uh, source of, of His working for us and in us and through us, as we have already said. 
Take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter number 11. Isaiah chapter number 11. And this is speaking of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But we have some identification here that will help us and we can make some application. It says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch, capitalized branch, that's the Lord Jesus, shall grow out of his roots and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Wow. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with, with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall... Smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the, the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loin and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Wow, this is going on to describe what it's going to be like in the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. But here we have the glorified Christ who is the God man and there we have the presence of the spirit of the Lord. And you know as well as I do, as we read in the Revelation and compare Scripture with Scripture, it speaks of the seven spirits of God. And the seven spirits of God are not individual spirits, but are seven different manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Will you listen to me for just a moment? How does God know what we need? Because God knows everything. And we ought to be telling him, Lord, I'm feeling weak in this area. I feel tested, tried, tempted. I feel exercised in this area. I'm frustrated over this or that. And whatever it is, here's what the Lord does. Okay, I'm going to make it very simple. You know how it is at your house. When you have a certain pain, you have a certain uh, need for a certain medicine or supplement, you go to your medicine or your supplement cabinet, you open it up, and whatever is bothering you, you go for that particular thing and you get what you need. And that's exactly what the Scripture is saying here. Whatever challenge is faced in leadership, whatever challenge is faced when you are witnessing, whatever challenge is faced when you are trying to live for Jesus and you're trying to go on for God, you've just come from the battle. The devil knows that you're depleted. And what do you need? You need some fresh oil. That's what you need. You need to go to the cabinet, get some fresh oil. And it may be, as it says here, the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord. It might be the manifestation of wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth liberally and upbraideth not. Praise the Lord. God will give you the wisdom that you need to make the choices and decision and live today and tomorrow and the day after as you should. It may be the spirit of understanding, which is taking the Word of God and putting it into your daily activity, uh, living it out. That's what understanding is. It may be the spirit of exhortation or of strength or manifestation of knowledge, something you wouldn't know otherwise the Lord brings to mind. It may be the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I don't know, but whatever that is, Seven is the Lord's number. It is the number of per perfection and completion. It is the number of fulfillment. And what is being said through the Scriptures to us right now is when we are depleted, we need fresh oil for whatever uh, area of our life is weak, whatever venue, whatever area of challenge that we're feeling, we need the Lord. We go to Him. We get fresh oil. He provides 
precisely what we need, when we need it, in the amount we need it, that He might be glorified to the maximum. Fresh oil. The fullness of the Spirit of God. God the Father. I want the fullness of the Father. I want the fullness of the Son. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit flowing through my life. Now, I don't want to be some kind of a nut. I want to be practical. And uh, thank God for John R. Rice. He was such a blessing in my life. And he, he uh, would take questions in the sword of the Lord. They would come and he would write. And, and uh, Dr. Rice always had a way of, of putting a person that was out of line in line with, without being nasty about it. Uh, he, he was good about that. And I appreciate that. But two books were compiled. Dr. Rice, here is my question. And this one is, Dr. Rice, here are more questions. And so I don't know how it was for you. Where I went to Bible college, they urged all of us to take the sword of the Lord. I began getting the sword of the Lord when I was still in Bible college and, and read it from front to back and all the sermons and all the different articles and everything in it. And they kind of have that flavor today, the old sword of the Lord flavor. But in volume two, Dr. John R. Rice answers somebody uh, who said, <clears throat> is it possible to be filled with the Spirit without speaking in tongues? And we run into folks like this. You say, quote, as an ex-Baptist, I want to urge you to seek God for the fullness of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But sister, you are far behind the times. Long ago, here's John Rice saying, I sought and found the fullness of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You say it is real. I know it is. And this fullness of the Spirit has, by God's great blessing, helped me to win tens of thousands of souls. You say it is for every believer. So it is. It is a command of Christ. You say, yes, the command in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. However, then you get away from the Scriptures, he's writing to her, and begin denominational propaganda and proselytizing. You say, and we cannot obtain it, rather him in fullness without speaking in tongues. There is nothing in the Bible that says that. That is the doctrine of men and not of the Bible. And I, after more than 40 years of Bible study, know that Donald Gee, one of your best Pentecostal writers, is right when he says the Bible never explicitly states that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Puts it right back in her face and says, one of your best writers says that's not in the Bible. That's something that's made up. Now, I've got many Pentecostal friends, and I thank God for their desire to be enthusiastic, you know. But we're going to put the ooze in enthuse. Amen. Amen. Uh, and we had, we had the fullness of, of the Spirit before the Pentecostals ever dreamed of even existing. All the way back to the time of Jesus Christ and the Apostles. And what the fullness of the Holy Spirit did, first and foremost, it made everybody a better whatever they were to begin with. So if you're filled with the Spirit, and I'm filled with the Spirit, we're just emptying ourselves of our own selfishness. Now, I'm not going to ask you how many are strong-willed, how many of you got to have your own way, how many of you are pushy, how many of you got a nasty attitude or spirit, whatever. But we need to confess that and empty ourselves of that, get that cleansed out by 1 John 1, 9, and then we pray, Lord, you take control. I need that fresh oil from battle to battle. I need that fresh oil every day. We got to get the selfishness and the sinfulness out and we need the fresh oil every single day. And what that will do, first and foremost, that'll make you a better husband, a better wife, father, mother, better brother, sister, a better 
worker, servant, whatever it is, whatever you're doing for a living, wherever you are, better neighbor, better church member, it will make you better. Why? Because we're depending upon the Lord's supplement, the Lord's oil, and not our own strength and our own ideas. And for whatever we're doing, we need to stop depending on ourselves and start depending upon fresh oil. Every day we need fresh oil. Glory to God. We absolutely need it. Then secondly, as a natural result of that, not artificially and not like, you know, five steps, 12 steps, 15 steps, but as a natural overflowing of that, we're going to overflow on people. We're going to be a witness. Now, we're going to teach you the method so you can be good at saying it and sharing it, but that natural bubbling up and overflowing, that comes when we get fresh oil all the time. We empty ourselves of sin and selfishness and having our, I got to have my way. I got to have my final word. I got to have it. I got to do it my way. We need to surrender to God and ask for forgiveness. Repent of that. Get cleansed of that by the blood of Jesus Christ and then pray for fresh oil. And every single day have fresh oil and let it overflow on other people. Bubble up and overflow on other people. John Rice exposes something here. It doesn't matter if they're Pentecostals or if they're Charismatics or if they are cults or if they are hyper, super duper Calvinists or whatever they are. There's a tendency for them to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. And they think they're the only ones who have the Spirit of God. They're the only ones who've got the power. They're the only ones who are extraordinary. Let's go back to where we started tonight, which is in Romans chapter 12. And I want you to see what I see when I read in the scriptures. There's nothing that I have that I don't want you to get. All right. We already read, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let's read on. Verse number three. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. Here it is. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. What did Paul say? He said that he was the chief of sinners. He had the right view of himself. You and I should never start believing our own resumes because that's a big mistake. Without Him, I could do nothing. Amen. Amen. Without Jesus Christ, I'm a big zero. But thank God I've been saved. And, and if I'll just get emptied of myself and my own self-willed way of living, and I'll just die to a self-willed way of living, and I'll cross over spiritual Jordan into, into that victorious Christian living realm of Canaan land, spiritually speaking. Well, I'm going to have battles every day, and I'm going to get fresh oil. And I'm going to have another battle. I'm going to get fresh oil. I'm going to have another battle to get fresh oil. But i got to empty myself, be filled with the Spirit, and not answer the way I want to answer, not think the way I want to think, and not talk the way I want to talk, and not do the thing I want to do, but instead, Lord, I'm totally submissive to you. And then we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We're just sinners on our best day, 
on our best day, we're just sinners saved by grace. Can I get an amen? How many of you know what I'm talking about tonight? This is it. This is where we need to be. Glory to God. All right. So I don't, I don't know exactly what creature is the, the one-horned unicorn here. It's not the mythology unicorn, but that's the strength. And where do you get the strength? Fresh oil. And what does the fresh oil do? It takes you to the next battle. And what do you do? Empty self, get filled with fresh oil, takes you to the next battle. How often will you have those battles? Constantly. Between now and when we die and go to heaven, it'll never stop being our battles. Listen, I like the song that the Happy Goodmans used to sing. Brother Ryan, I know you know this one. We'll soon be done with troubles and trials. Going to sit down and rest a little while. That's not going to be down here. That's up yonder. That's when I'm going to sit down and rest a little while. And for a million years, even though there's no time, but the equivalent of a million years, we're going to talk about how God brought us through. Not how I made it through. Not how I toughed it out. Not about how elite we Baptists are. Man, if we Baptists ever get thinking about ourselves like some other groups think about themselves, we're done. Might as well fold your tent, give it up, forget it. God's not going to use us because we're full of ourselves instead of full of Jesus. We need to be full of the Father, full of the Son, and full of the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I believe the Bible has spoken to us clearly tonight. I believe we need to go for rededication. I believe we need to do that constantly. We need to present our bodies a living sacrifice. How many of you tonight would say, Preacher, Spirit of God is speaking to my heart. Come on, put your hands up. Speaking to my heart. Speaking to me. Speaking to me. Amen. Amen. We need to empty self. Be filled with the Spirit. Fresh oil. Let God lead. Let Him guide. Let Him direct. If you're not saved, don't know for sure that heaven is your home for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Would you pray right now? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die.
Jesus.